Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Shred Stakes. It's been a while since I've been back on. I am back here with the host of Don't Worry About with Neek's podcast, uh, Nico Canary, a good friend of mine, plays in the soccer team at Amherst College. So we're here to talk a lot about the Premier League, maybe a little bit about what he does for his podcast, too, but mostly about Premier League stuff because the Premier League's been very interesting this year. Nico, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have you back on. Um, anyways, let's. I, I just want to start with something that I found interesting too. So I've been looking at going, as we discussed before this, I went through the rankings of the Premier League. And as we talked about in the summer, right, we were looking at some teams that could, you know, may possibly, you know, surprise people. Did you ever predict that Everton would be winning, being the best team in the, uh, the league this year um, or Wolves being three? Uh. I guess that's the first part. Everton, no clue. I had no idea that the quality of players that they would bring in just before the start of the season would be, and I guess throughout the, the beginning portion of the season, would be as effective as they've been. You look at um, James Rodriguez, who was in, he's an ex-Bayern Munich and ex-Real Madrid player, and he has performed at some of the top levels and top teams. Uh, Alan, he's a Brazilian center mid. Uh, there's Abdul Decore, who's a he was an old Watford center mid. So some of those signings right there have done, and obviously Dominic Calvert Lewin is one of the top strikers right now. I did not expect them to perform at the level that those guys that that they're doing right now. I mean, you look at the their first. I think it was their first four games. They were they went they won all four. They had a perfect record, and I think they were the only team in the Premier League with a perfect record for for a bit. And it goes to show that. It, it's, it's the beauty of sport, really. It's that you you can have these expectations for a team and then they blow you away in a different way. Obviously, I'm not a fan of Everton. I'm a Liverpool fan. I despise Everton in all the ways I could, but I appreciate it as a, as a spectator of the sport that they're able to perform at such a good, uh, such a high level and be pretty consistent. I mean, they, they held their own against Liverpool. They, they kept it to 2-2. Could have been 3-2. Not going to get into the VAR situation, but but it was it was still a very good game back and forth, and and then with Wolves, I mean, I said it in the in our last time we were on this podcast, and it was that they're a team that first off is predominantly Portuguese, so they have very good chemistry right there, but they also have players that really are <clears throat> you see like there's an investment, an emotional investment, and a and a physical investment, and that they're just putting themselves into the best shape that they can be but also best um positioning and just kind of mentality that they go into games and you see like this this connect and you saw it i mean in the last season um in the premier league these guys were just performing at such a high level against the best teams and giving great results so i'm, I'm very happy to see wolves doing as well as they are but yeah it's they've been everton's been a real surprise yeah. Something I want to just break down quickly too is Liverpool has been riddled by injuries recently, right? They're still second in the league, right? So it's finding a way to somehow make it work. But do you see that, that it's going to be a trend of more of a negative thing? Or do you think that sense that they, since they're been able to keep it afloat in a sense, they can figure it out and still challenge even with all these injuries? Um, I mean, I think, I think it's always a challenge when you have uh, injuries. And I think it's more about how you react to that adversity. And I think, I think when, when you look at 
uh, the quality of the and the depth of Liverpool. Uh, there's a lot of young players and a lot of um, very able players in in all positions. And obviously, it's very difficult when you lose three center backs. But I think it's very hard to tell. Obviously, there's no there's no specific definitive answer that I could give that would actually be correct. I think. Um, it will definitely be pivotal, though, in seeing these next few games going for. I mean, we've kind of seen how they've been performing, and it's been pretty. It's been a it's been a rough go of it, <laughs> to put it lightly. But they're still they're still putting out um, uh, wins and draws, and and they're 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 performing at the high level. So it's it kind of it's it's just going to be a very um, kind of a telltale sign of this of this uh, squad of Jurgen Klopp and of the the entire com- Liverpool community to be able to continue to back each other and support each other and know that it it doesn't matter who is in what position but we know that we can win these games so it's it's a difficult position that they're in because yes i mean injuries are never good you never want a player to be out you prefer them to be playing but i um I think the faith that the players have with each other um, will will speak volumes if if they can continue to to perform at, at this level. I, I was gonna say, um, do you think it's the reason why they're in these games too is primarily due to coaching, or do you think it's the experience of the guys who are on the field being able to at least make the games competitive? Um. I mean, as it is with almost any any team sport, it's a relationship of the two. I think there's there's a system, a schematics uh, style, a schematic style that that a coach implements um, that is ideally molded to the players themselves. Um, but then again, you have to have the right players playing the right way to make that system work. And I think I think something that um, is interesting about the Liverpool style of play is that it's not, it's a multifaceted sense. They they like to possess. They're also very willing to play a couple, like two passes up the field and try and get a shot on goal. So there's kind of a multi, um, yeah, multifaceted aspect to that, that kind of lets there be more flexibility to, um, to the style of play that they have. So I would say on on kind of a basic sense, the players are very important. I mean, having having a deep squad is probably one of the most important things, especially in this situation that they're in, where they they've lost it, they're riddled with injuries right now, and they're still maintaining a, a high level. Um, but it definitely also, I think, the psychological impact that Jurgen Klopp has, which is this kind of I care about every single one of you and I, I believe in every single one of you and know that if you if I need you to perform and pull off a win despite all the odds, you can do it. And so that's it's it's that relationship again. So I'm gonna go through some teams that have disappointed me so far. Um and I think we'll be in agreement there. So mm-hmm. both Manchester teams, right? Man man you Manchester United, from what I got from some people I've talked to, you know, Barkey was talked about this a little bit when I had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago, but they've been a disappointment in my opinion, due to the fact they've kind of given up on their coach and the fact the general managers haven't done a great job of integrating the pieces correctly. What I've also got from, from Man City is just, again, like they've just been a disappointment just generally. 
you know, based on the fact of like where they, where they have been in the last couple of years versus now. Um, you can talk a little bit about that in a second. And then obviously Sheffield United, right? We, we were talking about this, like this team could be a sleeper and they're 17th in the rankings from what I checked today. So let's talk about the, what teams have disappointed you. Do you have the same list as mine? And maybe go into some details about why you think these teams have been so disappointing in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So I guess to start, I mean, like we said, with Sheffield United, we expected them to, to succeed as they managed to do last season. Um, and they're just, I mean, now I'm looking at the rankings. They're 19th. So out of 20, 19. So they have, and they pulled out one point. I think they're one of three teams to do that. And they're just, they, they have scored, I think they've scored one, maybe to two goals. Maybe they've scored recently, but I, I haven't been following them because it's been hard to to watch their games. They're 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 making the their style of play isn't even it's not it's it's a very difficult kind of explanation for this for this disappointment because it's they they came in um, to last season obviously having just uh, been promoted and they managed to I think they were in the top eight if I'm uh, correct. And they uh, were performing very, I mean, they made, they gave every single team a run for their money and they, they did a really good job of that the whole time. But now I think they, I mean, they've signed one or two players. I know they signed Rian Brewster from, he was from Liverpool. Um, but other than that, I can't, I think they signed Ethan Ampadu, who he was a ex Chelsea player played for Leipzig for a bit. And so they, it's not like they, there's one kind of solution to their problems. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of issues with them. I think the fact that, like I said, they're not scoring goals. Um, they have, I think, five, maybe six strikers now, and the fact that they can't, they haven't put up more than five goals in, in what five or six games now. They, it's just a, it's just a shame. And um, so that's been, it's been really hard to watch them too. I mean from what last year it was, they play a style which is three in the back and they have these wing backs who are incredibly talented and are willing to take you on and beat you and then get a, get a ball into a, either a tall center back or a very mobile or a tall striker or a very mobile striker. They'll usually have two, but they kind of seem to, it's like the idea of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They stick with the style, but it's not working. There has to be some flexibility there. And I think the fact that you kind of see the same from last year is kind of the same thing with um, Burnley, who I also have despised seeing <laughs> watching play because they they play a pretty. I mean, I don't actually hate watching them play. I've seen, but seeing what they're doing right now, they're also one of the three teams with just one point, and they're in the 18th uh, in the rankings, so or in the table. So they're another team that has just not been able to adjust and be flexible to this, to the, the constantly changing uh, style of play in soccer and in and, and English football. And um, so those two, those two are definitely the worst of my, of my kind of um, highest expectations set the lowest standards kind of for these, these, uh, these teams. And obviously um, you look at Manchester city, that team, I think, looking at from back to front, they are a very quality side. They are incredibly talented and they have a lot of players in a lot of different positions. 
So they're not, it's not like they're missing a piece. There's not one player that they need to bring in. They have the Premier League player of the year from last season, and they have a bunch of quality players all around uh, the field. And yet they managed to lose five to two to Leicester and Ty leads solely one, one. I mean, that was a great game to be honest, but it's still like those performances. I mean, I think they tied one, one to West Ham. Um, So they're not, they, they have this, again, they also have a very strict style of play. Pep Guardiola has instituted a play that is keep the ball at all costs. So it doesn't matter if the ball needs to be going up the field. If it needs to go back, go back to go forward. And that's, that's an entirely acceptable style of play, but it's very difficult to maintain for 90 minutes because when you get a team that learns how to press that and how to adjust their positioning so that it's just difficult to connect passes, they're not, they make the game boring. And so that's what a lot of people may think about that style of play with Manchester city is they just, they'll pat, they'll just be passing along the back line to back, just back, like left back to center, back to center, back to right back, back to center, back to center. And it's just, it's it, there's there's a little bit of a lack of rhythm there and a lack of fluidity that you see, um, which can happen with teams. I mean, they all have these these rough goes of it. And I think Manchester City is going to bounce back, no doubt. There's they're like I said, they're incredibly quality side. Again, another team I despise, and I I would wish for them to ever do as well as they have been. But you just with with the quality of these players and the quality of of the coaching and kind of the style that they've implemented is a very um, when, when it's at its best, it is almost unstoppable. And then Manchester United. I mean, there is so much we could talk about with that. I mean, like you, like you mentioned with um, Barky and I, I had talked with him as well on, on an early episode of on our, on, on my podcast. And we talked about that. There was, it's, it's not an issue of just one kind of person, one player, one person in a certain position. It's not the manager. Like, obviously that's one aspect of it, but then there's the, it's, it's more top down, but also bottom up because you look at, if you look from top down, I mean, there's also the management issues, which um, you see with all these transfer rumors, like they were supposed to sign Jaden Sancho and that was supposed to be a huge signing for them. An English player, coming from the Bundesliga, having performed at very, very well. And then supposed to come here and really change the game. And then it was, it never happened. And then they signed, I think they signed a, uh, what was it? Edison Cavani, an older, late or mid to late or mid thirties striker, uh, a left back. And then a, I, th- I can't remember the last guy, but it's, it's players that aren't even close to what they were expecting. There was no, so that alone, I mean, that even that might be just outside of it, but the fans have no faith. There's no trust because they just can't believe that when they went for an entire summer, I think it was even longer. I mean, we talked about it. It was saying like, will Jaden Sancho go to Manchester United? And that was kind of like, yeah, probably. I mean, there were doubts because we're always going to have some transfer rumor doubts because transfer rumors kind of fly like air does. And that is just so much going on. But that's that's one massive part of it. And then there's obviously the manager. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not the man for the job. He is not the guy. I mean, they had Alex Ferguson, one, Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the greatest coaches of all time, considered arguably one of the greatest coach of all time, just how successful he was and the way he could change a, st- a player 
to be more motivated or to change their style of play in a certain way that fit this system. And there's no system for Manchester United. They have these very good forwards and midfielders, but their defense is shocking. It's terrible. They signed Alex Tellez, very good left back, but they signed the most expensive center back in the world. The record center back, I guess, uh, Harry Maguire. And he's terrible. He is. I, I mean, obviously when I say terrible, he's terrible for what was expected of him. He's not even close to the standard. There's no, it's beyond me how this guy was so expensive and was really, I mean, signed by Manchester United, but that speaks to that management issue. There's kind of, there's, they're just picking the wrong guys and kind of not taking enough action and enough of a stance on like, okay, we're willing to take a loss, but if this means it's going to help the club and help uh, bring this kind of a, like a psychologically motivate us to get back into it, that's huge. So, and then with the players, I mean, the players are just, like you said, there's no, there's no faith in the manager, but then again, also you just see when you watch them play, there's no, there's only, there's moments, I guess. I mean, this is a, they're a professional club. They're going to be good because they're professionals, but there's only small and very slim moments that you'll see where a couple players kind of put string together a bunch of good passes and someone may get a good chance or get a good goal. And, but then it's kind of lacking the whole game and it just, it's, you see it and it's consistent. It's been going on for a couple of years now. And it, it's, it's, I don't know what's going to happen with them. I mean, they could sit in the 15th for a long time, but I guess Manchester United being Manchester United looking at last season, I think they got like 25 penalty kicks given to them, which is just ridiculous. It's like a record amount, I think. And so I think there's, there's going to be some luck playing into this. And um, so, and obviously there's luck with everyone. So, and, and going back to these other teams like Sheffield and Burnley, their luck could change. You know, this system could automatically just hit. It could just start working all of a sudden. Um, so it's, it's hard to tell now we're so early in the season. I mean, we're what, six games. I think some teams have played seven games now into the season, but yeah, I think definitely for me, top two, worst in performances Sheffield and Burnley I think they were they're both Premier League clubs now and like set and they're just they're struggling in every sense yeah it's interesting because you know obviously you know obviously I just spoke obviously Sheffield's 19 and Burnley's 18 but last year I was just you know when you were speaking I was looking this up actually and Sheffield was nine and Burnley was in the top 12 right? Yeah. Which is very, very interesting. And it, what happens, like, it, it goes to your point, though, right? Because since soccer is such an unpredictable game, right, since it, it requires adjustments, if you're playing the same style, and it works last year, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change and work to your favor this year, right? And that's, and that's, and that's obvious for any kind of sport, right? You got to be able to be creative and think outside the box, because you have teams such as Everton, who, who, drastically changed their approach somewhat from last year to be able to go from, you know, a top 13 team to the best team in the league through the first six games. Uh -huh. And I primarily do that. Maybe that's coaching, right? That's the players maybe they have to, and, or even a team like Liverpool, right? Adjusting their schemes of all their in injuries to be able to still, you know, be competitive is interesting. Yeah. And I think it's just interesting. Also I'm looking at, so obviously as we know, Wolves won last night. Um, you know, we can get into that in a second, but, Based on the games this weekend, 
the games I'm trying to focus on, because these are key games. Um, you know, Liverpool against West Ham, right? Looks like an easy one for Liverpool, but West Ham's always it, it is, is a bit of a trap game, I think. It, they are a top, you know, 12-ish team, but they they do sometimes, they are a trap game, um, especially for a team with a lot of injuries. I think West Ham can actually give them a lot of issues. Um, I think that is a game where I could potentially see an upset there. Um, not because... I think that Liverpool's, you know, I think Liverpool should win the game, but again, due to the nature of how their team is um, and the fact that West Ham is such a pesky team, I can see an upset. Do you agree with that? Or do you think, you know, this is just not at all a good take and you should, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I actually kind of agree with you in that there's a, there's a possibility. Um, I think the law of averages, you give them enough games, there's a chance West Ham wins, but coming down to this game, Looking at the previous results of West Ham, they pulled out some rag, like some really good games. They pulled off some really good wins. I'm thinking on, um, if I look, they've, I mean, they, they've, so they, they came back from three, de- three nil down to Tottenham to tie the game three, three on a 93rd minute banger. Um, they beat Leicester three, zero, they beat Wolves four, zero, and they just tied uh, Manchester City 1-1. So they're kind of on a hot streak right now. Um, they, they're, yeah, I mean, you look at that from, there's Mikel Antonio, their striker. He's phenomenal right now. He is a beast. He's just a strong, burly guy who just gets himself in the right position. And he could just, he's been finishing as, as much as he can. There's another um, center midfielder, Jared Bowen, who has been just, he's, it's, he's kind of your classic English player. He just, he, he's got that fluidity to him. And when he hits the ball, it's a banger. Um, there has, there's this, I think he's, on, he was on loan. Now he's on sign. He's signed uh, Thomas Suchek, a, um, I think a Eastern European player, but he, he's, he's a very tall player and brings a kind of that adds that physical presence to them. Um, and then there's Declan Rice who kind of, he's a defensive midfielder and those guys, They've caught, and there's more players, obviously. I think there's Manuel Lanzini, and there's um, there's a number of other players that have that have played a big role in these um, in these games. But so, kind of adding to your point that yeah, I think there's a very good chance that that uh, West Ham can pull one out. But then again, kind of going back to this whole discussion of Liverpool and the fact that there's a lot of injuries, and but kind of acknowledging that this is going to be one of those turning points that kind of says like, all right, this is kind of going to be how we're going to handle things. And it's going to be that we're either going to just give in and maybe that's what happens, you know, West Ham get a goal early and then it just falls apart and maybe they lose three, one or four zero or something like it could, it could happen. That's a good chance. I don't see that happening. I think, I think with what we've seen over the past few years with Jurgen Klopp, He's, the most, he's one of the most resilient coaches I've ever seen. Liverpool as a squad are incredibly resilient. They've been able to, to handle adversity in a way that is just phenomenal. So kind of balancing those out is difficult and, and it's hard to tell. So I totally, I, I agree with your take. I think it's very possible that a, 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 a loss for Liverpool could occur and uh, vice versa though. There's a good chance of, of the other way around. And um, I think... Um, in closing for this, this game, at least is that, uh, yeah, West Ham on a good run. That's going to be, if, if, if anything, 
the game is going to be good. There's going to be chances on both ends. There's going to be a lot of, um, lot of controversy I can already see happening. I mean, there's going to be VAR issues, refing issues on the field, and there's going to be a lot of probably a chippy game. Um, I think Liverpool, in that sense, Liverpool might back off physically. You just don't want to see your players putting themselves at risk when you're already down. I think there's a starting 11 of Liverpool players that are injured or have been injured. So that, that's, that's ridiculous in and of itself. But I think that might help West Ham in their momentum because they're a physical team. They play with this. They'll sometimes, I mean, they're very, every team is capable of playing out of the back. It's just whether they want to do it or not. And you'll see a lot of times, you'll see a West Ham just kind of drive the ball up to make a, a, a big body kind of keep it skip the midfield and and impose themselves physically in a way that that um has been has been really good i mean like i was saying they they came back against tottenham they tied manchester city they demolished wolves and they demolished um lester and so they it's working now will it work against liverpool i have a kind of an idea i I wouldn't say i have no idea i have an idea in that there's a chance. There's a chance it works because Liverpool's system could could break. I mean, it's a, every system is is breakable, but I think I think this is going to be like I said a telltale sign of the rest of the season for Liverpool. And um, yeah, I I hope they win. I hope Liverpool wins. <laughs> I just for for our sake. But yeah, there's there's a good. Ch- it's going to be a good game. End of the day, that's going to be a great game. I think so. I. I think that that take by yours was really interesting. Um, I think that game is going to be a, a really fun game to watch and an important game for both of those teams. Now going to – now these are the games, I think, the two most important games of the weekend, and you may disagree with me on this, but I think it's between Leicester uh, City and Leeds United because they're really close in the standings, and uh, Manchester United and Arsenal. And because the reason – I'm going to go with the Manchester-Arsenal Ar- game is because like we talked about, well, you know, you probably you know voice it a little bit more than me, but Manchester United, right, needs a, a, a turnaround in some way, right? And going against Arsenal, right, especially because they've beaten Arsenal in the last 13 home games they played against Arsenal, right? So this is a big one for them, right? If they lose this, this, this that's a big deal for them because they don't, you know, they haven't lost at home to Arsenal in a while. And for them, it's a big turning point. It's also a big game for Arsenal as well because Arsenal right now is like, hinting at that you know top 10 spot they're right a little below at 11 right now so again I think that's a really big game for both of those teams Arsenal trying to overcome you know the curse of not winning at Manchester United and Manchester United trying to figure it out now Leeds and and you know Leicester City I I think that the the important thing to take away from that right is they're really close to standings right so I think you know a team this is a big turning point for them as well right whoever kind of gets this game going right, will be able to propel a little bit more to challenge those top-end teams. Will they? I mean, will, time will tell, right? But I think this is an important game for both of those teams to really prove who out of them is more championship-worthy or going to make a challenge to those top teams. Um, I don't know if you agree with those uh, those games being the most important for the weekend. Um, you know, maybe you have some games of your own that you want to share, but that's where I, I went with those. No, I, I completely agree. I think those – I, I'm looking at the rest of the games and um, you could actually argue that almost every single game is, is incredibly pivotal right now. I mean, looking at, I was looking at the, the rank or the, the table right now and Leicester and Leeds are, I think within um, <clears throat> two points of each other. 
So if Leeds wins, they're, they'll overtake Leicester. And, and the same thing with, um, uh, yeah, with Arsenal and Man- Manchester United. Manchester is, is, has seven points and Arsenal have nine. So right there, they can both, those, the bottom, the lower of the two, uh, can, can overtake the, the higher, the other, their opposition. And um, so I totally agree. I think, <clears throat> um, I think Leicester and Leeds will be a really good game. Uh, I don't know if you've watched any of the Leeds games, but they play us, they play a re- Marcelo Bielsa. He's an Argentine manager and he, he is implementing a style of play that is really, really fun to watch because it's, it's, it requires a lot of fitness, but it, because there's a lot of pressing, but there's also a lot of beauty to the style, the play they'll have. And it's kind of, it's kind of similar to that. What I was saying about Liverpool and their flexibility. It's a flexible style too. You could just see in rather than kind of passing throughout the back and then getting up to the midfield and getting up to the forwards and back to the midfield and go, it's kind of that progress. They'll just kind of skip all of that and play a big ball in and just have, have an opportunity right there. So that, is, is very is the same thing with Leicester. I think they both play where they, they'll try and incorporate a, the simple kind of just quick passing style of play. But then there's that, that one looping ball that jumps over. And so that's going to be a back and forth, 100%. I mean, you saw uh, with Leeds against Liverpool, that was a four to three game against the champions of their, of, of their uh, respective divisions. And that was, that was a great game. So that might, I think that's going to be, that's going to be huge for them. I think less leads punching back in to the top five and possibly even the top four. I mean, I think, so Aston Villa has 12 points as well. And if this, so this will be, this will get them into the top four, which is, that'll be huge for them. And then, and then I agree. I think Arsenal, Manchester United, that's a huge game. Um, like you said, Manchester or Arsenal have not won in the past 13 games at, at Old Trafford. It's different now. I mean, even, even without the fans last season, they still pulled out a win, Manchester did. So <clears throat> I don't know if it's even just the, the aura of the stadium itself that will have a factor. But I think because there's a lack of fans, this game's going to be a little different. But like you said, there is a lot, um, a lot that can change for that game. Like, I mean, they'll, they'll jump. They could jump into – any, Manchester could jump anywhere between seventh and ninth um, because they'll have 10 points and Arsenal will be able to, to be even in the top five, in the top four for all we know. I mean, there's, there's a possibility of that. So these games, yes, they're huge, but then also looking at um, there's a big, so then I was looking at also um, this one's kind of understated and I wouldn't argue as to being a equally pivotal game, but um Sheffield United and Manchester City, two teams that are not performing at the standards that they've, they've been obviously at different levels of those standards. But like when you're, it's, it's still not the same um, to what they were expecting. So that'll be big. That'll be really big. Cause it'll, if Sheffield can pull out a win or even just a tie, that'll kind of, they'll get, they'll, they'll start being looked at more seriously again. I think that'll, That'll respect at least the fact that they can defend or the fact that they're able to score, but they need something that they can do and be good at. And that being their strengths and they need to start attacking those more. And I think same thing with Manchester city. I think they, they have a style of play that works when it works. It really freaking works. But when, when it breaks down, it's 
Well, it's too easy to break down. It's almost easy to too, play, too easy to play through. So that's something that Sheffield could totally feed off of if if the the situation um, allows it. So I'd say that's probably the third of the most important games. But yeah, I mean Arsenal, Arsenal, Man U. That's always a big game. They're they're the two, they're one of the two big six teams, and then Leeds, Leicester, who are two teams that um, obviously Leeds is very early in this process, but Leeds used to be an incredibly uh, successful club and is, is a considered a very successful club in England and Leicester has been, I mean, they won the premier league in 2016 and they've just kind of been in the premier league, but also kind of imposing themselves since then. So <clears throat> this is kind of going to be a, a battle of those, of those kind of, of a battle of respect right there. It's like, are you going to be, are you going to be able to, to tap into this top six, even top four vibe, or are you just gonna, are you going to break to that pressure? So to wrap up, um, I just want you to tell my viewers a little bit about your podcast because I think it's, it's really, I think what you're doing is cool because yours is not a sports babies podcast. It's more of just a general discussion, right? Kind of, you know, I, th- I think that's what, that's really cool. So explain it for the viewers so we can wrap up here um, what your podcast is meant to do, why you started and, you know, basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for letting me do this. Um, so the podcast is called Don't Worry About It with Neeks. You can listen on a lot, if not all of the platforms that host podcasts. So Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and I don't know if there's more. But um, yeah, so the I started this podcast, uh, I guess in early, mid-September, maybe even late September. And um, I started this while I was here in Wyoming. Uh, I'm working on a ranch for the semester and actually going to be doing it next semester as well. But um, I, I w- I've been thinking about this for a while. It's been brewing for a long time. I, I've been wanting to, to have these conversations that I've been having with people for a long time. And because of the pandemic, it became very difficult. And so this kind of added that fuel to the fire of, um, of that idea. But yeah, so it's it's kind of it's the premise is not worrying. It's it's being able to have a casual, uh, rat, like very loosely directed um, kind of conversation with with maybe some topics in mind. Um, obviously, we ha- we could we talk before and we'll we'll say we'll say like let's cover this, let's talk about this. But then at the end of the day, like screw it, let's just talk. And it's really it's really just getting to know. Um, my friends a little better, but also just people that, that I find very interesting um, and people that I, that I want to learn from. So it's, it's a, uh, it's open-ended absolutely. And it's, it's, I mean, I invite anyone who, who has something that they're very passionate about or anything that we'd, we'd, you find interesting. I definitely would find interesting. I think that's the, that's the beauty of it all is that anything that, could be interesting is probably worth talking about. And so we're going to mention it on the podcast. So yeah, it's um, don't worry about it with Neeks. It, their episodes are long, you know, I mean, they're pushing hour to two hours to even two and a half hours. So they're there. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. It's not, there's no pressure. This is the, it's it, don't worry about it. You know, it's just, it's just having this, this relaxed environment and being, um, being just, a human, a human being with another human being and having this discourse. So thanks for having me on, man. I've been, this has been great and I'm happy. I'm happy. I got you on my podcast and I'm happy to be back. 
Yeah, uh, just reflecting a little bit more, like, you know, it was fun to be on your podcast because we got to talk about stuff that was, you know, present in our society, like, you know, some, you know, stuff with just like, you know, just general life stuff to, you know, COVID to politics, all that kind of stuff. But it was good, at least like, I think your podcast is really cool because like when people come up and talk about things that may seem controversial, like, you know, politics is not something people enjoy talking about, right? But you make it a way that's like, you know, very easy for someone to use their platform to speak about what they believe in, right? And I think that's important, right? And obviously, like, you know, when I continue to do my sports podcast, I think having people on to kind of discuss what they think about certain topics is always important, right? So, um, again, always a pleasure having you on, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if I ever need our Premier League stuff, which I probably will, uh, you know, you and the other soccer guys are always invited back on. So, thank you again for joining the podcast, dude. And, uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck with everything. And uh, I'll talk soon. Yep. Thanks for having me. And wish you the best as well.